You're listening to Healthy Living with Eric Sue Podcast, episode 123. Want more from Eric Sue? Watch him on Facebook Live every Friday at 9.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. Interact and ask some questions. Visit facebook.com slash Trainer to be live with Eric. See you there. Hey, it's Eric Sue. I quickly wanted to thank all my longtime listeners for your continued support. I also wanted to say hi to any first-time listeners. No matter who you are, I am committed to providing you the best health and wellness information possible. If you like what you hear, share it with a friend. Also, rate and review this show on iTunes or Stitcher so more people can find us. Let's keep this movement growing. Thanks again, and now on to the show. Health tips, wellness advice, no hype. Welcome to Healthy Living with Eric Sue, the show that inspires, motivates, and educates you towards your healthiest life. And now your host, Eric Sue. Hey guys, Eric Sue here. Welcome to another episode of Healthy Living with Eric Sue. We have a super knowledgeable personal trainer with us today. His name is Ross Oberlin. We'll be talking about building youth athletes for the future. So without any delay, let me introduce you all to Ross. Ross, are you ready to make it happen? Yeah, man, I'm ready to get after it. Awesome. Ross Oberlin owns and operates RC Training and Fitness in Oak Park, Illinois. He is a functional movement specialist, certified functional strength coach, and strong first kettlebell instructor. Ross found his calling early at an age of 31. He already has a dedicated a decade of experience under his belt, helping people reach their full potential. Before becoming a strength coach, Ross ran a special Olympics program for several years. It was here that he learned how to be an adaptable coach and how to best communicate with his athletes. Backed with years of experience that start, started with training himself for wrestling and later mixed martial arts, MMA, Ross found the perfect intersection, his talents and passion in strength and conditioning. RC training and fitness works with both athletes and adult clients. During the summer months, their athletes' programs take center stage. In just a few short months, the gym must help a variety of athletes from different sports with different abilities. It's only with a structured plan and vision that this goal is achieved. There's a lot of misinformation out there on youth training. Flashy program designed to stimulate what the pros are doing, are attempting to do, but can have serious consequences. Ross is here to break down what an athlete or parent should be looking for in a strength and conditioning coach facility. Ross, that was just a little bit about who you are and what you do. Can you share it with our audience a little bit more? Yeah, so um, as discussed, I got, I got kind of my, my first push into this from, uh, from working in, uh, in Special Olympics, and, and in that I really learned how to coach well. Um, from the beginning, you kind of understand that, that the onus is on you as the coach to find a way to communicate to the athletes and, and really was able to develop my skills there. Um, and so through my journey, I've, I've worked at some different facilities. Um, uh, when I first started out uh, at a facility that will remain unnamed, uh, I, I worked with some athletes, not, not very inspired athletes, unfortunately, kind of what I would describe as kind of living out their parents' dreams rather than their own. And uh, it kind of burned me out, and I kind of thought, all right, maybe, maybe the youth athlete thing isn't for me. And um, 
fortunately, now that we're, we're in this new facility, in this new location, we've got a whole new crop of athletes in here. And uh, the, it's a great group that we have this summer. Really fired up kids, really uh, focused and dedicated and kind of reinvigorated me with my work with youth athletes. Um, so the, the path has been long winding here. Worked at a few facilities, worked in a big box gym for a little bit. Um, I did one-on-one -on -one training in a small studio. And the main reason that we expanded to a larger facility was to impact more athletes just from a logistical standpoint, but also in a bigger facility, since we can work with more than one athlete at a time, uh, we can drop the price, which makes it more accessible. And, and while we want to run a successful business here, it's really important to us to make this kind of level of training available to as much of the community as possible, and specifically in the context of youth athletes. Um, we're, we're really trying to be the, the facility, the coach that I wish I had when I was in high school. And I think a lot of um, uh, former athletes and people my age kind of wish they had, you know, a really solid coach when they were in junior high and high school. Not somebody just to teach them strength and conditioning, but, um, you know, kind of build character, make you a good teammate, make you responsible, all, the, all that sort of stuff. So I'm kind of trying to be the place that I wish I had uh, when I was that age. Very good. Excellent. I just wanted to get this one question in before we dived into our main topic, which was what's sure. one cool or unique fact about yourself? Our audience really loves to hear the answer to this. Yeah. So, uh, as I mentioned, I keep going back to the, the special Olympics thing that really was the basis for me becoming as uh, quality of a coach as I am. I, I give it a lot of credit. And, uh, during our time there, we ran several sports, but we really, uh, had great success with our special Olympics powerlifting program. And, uh, during my final year there, we had some of our special Olympics powerlifters make it all the way to the special Olympics national games. And actually, uh, for a few of the athletes, um, sweep uh, all all three lifts and the overall, so taking four gold medal gold medals home. And uh, shout out to my shout out to my lifter LJ because I know he'll probably listen to this. Um, but we had a great group of guys and and we really stormed nationals that year and took a bunch of golds. And that that's one of my uh, that's one of my proudest achievements. It was nothing that I did myself, but just what my athletes were able to accomplish. Very cool. I think you would be the first person to mention Special Olympics. Uh, so that's really great. Thank you for that. Awesome. Um, so Ross, let's dive into this whole topic of how to build youth athletes for the future. And sure. if you can help us understand your point of view a little bit and what our audience needs to understand about uh, building uh, youth athletes, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we, when we, there's some considerations we need to take right off the bat. And, and I think the first thing is we need to look at the athlete where they are and see what, what their gaps are. I think one of the most common mistakes is either athletes, young athletes being put on a template program in that it was a pre-written program before that person ever assessed or worked with that athlete or kind of gearing an athlete towards what would really be uh, a pro type uh, training session for a professional athlete and obviously size experience development all uh, tells us that that's not what that athlete needs they're not in that part of their training cycle or their training development yet um, the term brilliant at the basics comes to mind when when these kids come in here we're really trying to just teach them how to train properly and 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 how to move well and 
Um, simple things like doing a push-up the right way, doing a squat the right way is, is going to be really impactful. And so you don't need to go kind of off the deep end with some of these tech, techniques. Really getting these kids solid with the fundamentals and basic huge dividends. And again, we're, we're trying to train them to be more fit and, and more competent athletes. Um, when they come in here, we're not trying to do really sports-specific drills right off the bat. I think that kind of misses the point uh, about what qualities we're trying to develop and build in here. Um, so I'll give one example. One of our athletes this summer uh, came in, and for his first two months here, he had a wrist brace on, and he couldn't do any upper body work. And the reason is he uh, hurt his wrist very bad at, a, again, another unnamed facility, um, but they were having him do barbell snatches. And after a 30-minute assessment with him, I could have told you flat out that a barbell snatch was not an appropriate lift for him to be working on. Um, and for his age range, I don't think it's appropriate for most athletes to be working on. And, and that's how he injured his wrist. Once we assessed him and got him on the floor and started training, we had to teach him how to do a, a basic squat. We had to teach the basic hip hinge. And if this athlete hasn't yet mastered the basic hip hinge or the basic squat, uh, I, 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 you know, you can see how a barbell snatch is not an appropriate exercise selection form. Uh, he needed that opportunity to go back and, and learn some of the basics. Um, meanwhile, we have athletes in here doing barbell snatches, right? And we have athletes in here doing uh, barbell hang cleans uh, in, the, in the 200 and 300 pound range. Um, very powerful lifts, but that's appropriate for those athletes. And we looked at them where they were. They were more developed. They were more experienced in their, in their path. And, you know, that's kind of want to put them there. So we need to have standards, and we need to have a kind of process and a vision here for where we want this athlete to go. And I think the, the worst thing we can do is just have a pre-written template for this athlete without ever assessing them and seeing what their weaknesses are because they're growing every day, they're, they're figuring out their body minute by minute, and, and we need to really meet them where they're at and help them figure out how to move well first then they can start to develop into doing more advanced work. So as, as we're a little bit later in the summer now, it's late July, uh, as we're recording this, you know, our, some of our athletes are starting to finish up pretty soon. And then, yes, now they're doing more advanced stuff. We, we do run a very intensive program um, where these athletes are able to develop and progress quickly, but that's not what it looked like on day one. And we always joke about some of the stuff these athletes are doing now, and, and, you know, they couldn't even pick up that weight or they couldn't even comprehend doing a lateral lunge with that amount of weight on day one, and now they're busting out, you know, multiple sets of eight uh, without any issue just to, you know, pick a random exercise there. But it took a vision, in it, and, and if we just had them trying to lift that weight all summer long, they would still be terrible at it. But we, because we started them out with more basic lifts, learning how to move competently, now they're doing some really impressive stuff only because we gave them the opportunity to build that foundation. So let me get this uh, clarified a little bit, Ross, in terms of what a parent should be looking for when going to a program, if not your program, because maybe they can't get to your location. What, what, should be, what, what should be the things that the parents should be looking for? Sure, and, and yeah, and I, and I say this, I mean, we, we do great things here, but, but this isn't just a sales pitch for our gym. So regardless of where you are, I want people to be looking at these sort of things when they're considering a facility for their kid is um, I, I would come right in and I would ask the coach, what is your number one rule? And if they don't immediately reply, do no harm, I would, I would be a little hesitant there. We, we don't miss a beat if somebody asks us 
our number one rule in the gym. It's, it's do no harm. Um, and, and you want that to be the attitude because if, if an athlete gets injured training at, outside of freak accidents, which, of course, could happen, they haven't happened in here, um, it, it's, it's kind of inexcusable. So you don't want to go into a facility and, and ask them, what is, your, what is your number one focus here? And they're like, oh, get, get them fast or get them strong. No, it's, it's do no harm. And then we work for everything after that. But that has to be the first focus. Um, when, when they get in there, look around and, and, and ask if you can watch the coach interact with the athletes a little bit. And you want to see that there's a good culture, that, that coach is able to connect with athletes on their level. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 31, so some of these kids are, are less than half my age. And so culturally, sometimes I, I got to ask them, you know, what's, they, they explain Pokemon Go to me and, and a couple other things. Um, but, but you want to see a coach that, that engages with the kids, that knows how to relate to them and, and bring up some sort of example that, that kind of clicks with them. Um, but beyond that, you, you want a coach who, who understands how to assess and that, that looks at your athlete as an individual, as a unique individual, and, and what their needs are. Um, but like I said, it's, it's more than that. So when parents come in, they love that their athletes are getting faster and stronger, more fit, more resilient, less injury risk. But one of the other things that they keep coming back is that, you know, we want to build character in these athletes. We want them to become good teammates. We want them to become responsible. We want them to be the leaders on their team. Um, because if all they do is, is succeed well in the gym, that doesn't really carry over, right? I, I need to make this athlete better at their sport, not just better at lifting weights. So when you come in, you want a coach that, uh, again, it, their, their top rule is do no harm, that you can see they're building a very positive culture inside of that gym, and that um, the athlete's not getting hurt, that the athlete is, is getting stronger, more fit, getting the results that they were promised. And that comes from, you know, individually assessing the athlete. In certain facilities, that's not always logistically possible, but ideally that's what you would like to see um, so that the athlete knows or so that the coach knows that athlete very well, right? Like, so every athlete training here, I, I assess them individually when they came in. I know each of them by their first name. I'm not saying, hey, you, to a single athlete in here. I know them all by first name. That was difficult. I'm not great with names, but I know how important that is. And you want to see a coach that takes the time to learn each athlete's name. So when I speak to them, they know that I know them personally. I'm not just trying to remember who they are. Um, but, but some of these other intangibles outside of the training, like the character, the good teammate, that they're building them into a, a good person is something that you really want to uh, look for in a coach, and, and that connection with the athletes is, is huge. Um, I think off of that, I'll, I'll just kind of make a point about the, the numbers and that remember we're trying, you want a coach that's trying to make the athlete better at sports, and so one, top, one thing that we kind of harp on with our guys here and girls is don't just chase the numbers. You're really kind of chasing performance. And so, you know, if you lose the game, the winners don't care that you can lift more weight than them. And we always kind of joke about this with the kids. Like, would you get up in their face and say, oh, yeah, I can bench press more than you? You, you wouldn't because what mattered was the game and you lost the game. And that athlete, that other athlete cares very little that you're, quote, unquote, stronger than them because you didn't perform as well in the sport as them. And um, kind of keeping that, that vision for those athletes is very important for us um, kind of hitting the brakes for them for time to time. Most of the athletes, 
right? I don't have to motivate or hit the gas. I need to hit the brakes for them and kind of rein them in and, and bring their focus back onto quality movement. Um, and that's not just athletes, right? That's everybody. But it's, it's an important thing here that we do, that we have standards with our lifts, that they must be done correctly, and, and that those athletes are going to do them the right way. Um, and, and that's what you really want to see in an athlete. So even today, uh, I had an athlete doing uh, a one-leg stiff-legged deadlift, and he had kind of chosen to go up and wait on his own, which, which we allow our athletes to do. And I saw that his form was completely compromised, but he, he really wanted to lift that next number. So I kind of lowered the weight down for him, watched him, watched him move, kind of spoke to him about, you feel this, do you feel how this is different here? Uh, and he said, yeah. And, and so it was less weight than he wanted to lift, but he knew that we have a standard of how you're going to move and that he was not meeting that standard. And we made that very clear from day one. So he wasn't all of a sudden surprised, like, well, you left me lift, let me lift however much mm. weight I want every other day. Why now all of a sudden? And so we kind of fold that in from the beginning. And, and for a parent visiting a facility, sometimes that's tough if, if you're just visiting the place one time. But I, I kind of want to bring all this stuff up to give them a feel of what a good, well-functioning, healthy facility looks like and the sort of culture that, that you want to see in there. Even if you don't know a lot about training and you look out on the floor, you'll kind of know good movement from bad movement inherently. And so kind of trust your gut. To, are, are the athletes in there moving well or are they just kind of moving a lot of weight with questionable form um, and, and trust your instinct there. Even if you're a parent who doesn't know a lot about training, kind of trust your gut. Um, it, it's typically going to be right in those situations. Right. I, I want to say that in the development of youth athletes, the performance is basically everything, uh, the results, if you will, the results of the performance pretty much says it all for what you do in the gym, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's what it comes down to is, is we want these athletes to perform well in the field. And some of these athletes, right, we have, we have athletes ranging, ranging, ranging from high school, um, junior high school actually into college. And so some of our collegiate athletes, they might, they might not come back next summer. They might stay out at their college and be training there. Um, but, but nonetheless, we, we're building these athletes, and I have a vision for them decades from now on, I, that I want them to still be healthy and fit. I'm not making... Um, you know, short-term sacrifices. I, I don't want this athlete to be the best seventh grader in the world. I want them to be the best college senior or if, if, uh, if the, the ability to become a professional in their sport is there, then I want them to become the best professional. And so we, we kind of, there's a stark contrast that we're able to see at our gym um, just by happenstance, we're located directly behind uh, a large junior high school here, and they have a turf field. So we can literally walk right out the back of the, the garage door of the warehouse for the gym, and in 10 steps, we're standing on the turf field. And so we're able to open up and, and do some big sprint work uh, with some of these guys and a little more open field work that we can't do inside the facility. Um, and it's great to have that available there, but, but it's available to everybody. And so something I'll see a lot is when I'm leaving at the end of the day or, or midday, I'll see a, a coach out there working with a young athlete. Um, and a lot of times I've seen a lot of soccer and a lot of football, but this applies to all sports. And they have the athlete doing a hyper-advanced drill, um, something that you typically would see reserved for an elite professional. And whether that's on the coach or the parent or the athlete or that coach's mentor, uh, that's a terrible way to go around training these athletes. Because as I said, it comes back to performance. 
And if we can just do some basics and become what uh, a term that I know is used in the Navy a lot, brilliant at the basics. If this athlete can just become very good with just the basic movements, they're going to get better. And the problem with that athlete is that's training out on that field doing some of these kind of pro-level drills is they're going to get better as well, but they're young. They're only in seventh, eighth grade freshman year. Fast forward four years, and you know, they'll probably be in a scenario where they're pretty balanced out with a lot of similar level athletes. Okay, and let's say all these athletes are starting to hit a plateau. Well, now might be the time that it's actually appropriate to break out one of these higher level drills or higher level lifts or whatever it might be to help this athlete break through their plateau. The problem is this young athlete that was a total stud in seventh grade, they've already built in an adaptation to that drill because they were already exposed to it. So they don't break out of their plateau, but all their teammates do. And so now their teammates are going farther and farther on and progressing beyond them, and this athlete is stalling out because they've already built in adaptations to high-level work that was not necessary for them to be exposed to at that young age. And so that goes back into, like I said, we're, we're talking about performance here. We're talking about what we want this athlete to build in. And, you know, that coach probably told those parents, oh, well, I do. I'm going to have them do the stuff the pros do, and we're going to really get after it, and that's exciting. And you, and you catch the imagination and, and the, the energy of that athlete because they hear pro and they think of themselves as a pro. And we want our athletes to think, think of themselves as pros too. But if you're 13 years old, I want you to train like a 13-year-old is supposed to train like, not like a 25-year-old who has fully gone through puberty as a complete adult and has total, uh, a totally different physiology for how they're going to be able to handle the demands of training. So, yeah, again, it, it comes back to the results, and um, minimum effective dose is what we're looking at here. We want these kids to enjoy their sport and perform better in their sport. That's the priority. That's the focus, simple and profound. A lot of times we kind of lose vision of that because that flashy, shiny thing is out in front of us, and, and we want to do that exciting drill that we just saw on a YouTube or an Instagram video. Very good answer. I I really enjoy listening to you because there there's so much um, I guess care in what you say, and you're looking out for the best uh, for these athletes, and so that that's what I really am attracted to. And I think these parents who are listening will appreciate uh, what you're saying and the advice that you're giving to them as well. Is there something else about uh, youth athletes that that and how they're trained or what they need to know? Uh, that you could share with us? Sure. Yeah, I, I think one thing I'd like to also talk about as well, even though it's not specifically strength and conditioning, is kind of the, 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 the trend towards doing lots and lots of mini camps and combines and special preparatory work for these athletes where it's a, a year-round thing. And I, and I warn parents against that. If you if you look at the highest level athletes right now and you ask them what they did as a kid, they played a lot of sports. They didn't over-specialize too early. And, and that can have, you know, some One is um, they can burn out, just simply kind of emotionally and mentally burn out on the sport. And that could either be on the parents for pushing them too hard or it could be on, well, kind of, you know, on the parents and the athlete for the athlete just wanting to do things year-round and the parents maybe not being experienced enough about what's the norm here and just saying a blanket yes 
to everything that the athlete wants to do, and now they're kind of training year-round. They, they, even if the athlete knows their, their number one sport, this is what I want to do, they should still play some different sports or take up a martial art or do something different to, to build a broader base of athleticism rather than this very specific athleticism over to their sport. Um, because we see younger and younger, and, and there have been lots of reports. You can look at the, the, the higher incidence of Tommy John surgery in young youth athletes, um, partially because they're pitching in you know, three different leagues, and each individual league might have its rules on how often that athlete can pitch. But if the athletes in three different leagues wait too much for what each league would want, that coach wants to win games because that helps – up their stock, and so they will keep throwing an, an athlete out there. And again, their their focus should not be on winning that game that weekend. Their focus should be on getting that athlete to the highest level possible. And overworking them is is not going to be that way that that happens, right? When you, when you look at injuries in sports, you're going to see two incidences. You're going to see one incidence of injuries in sports that are uh, aggressive, violent contact injuries, and there's very little we can do about that. That's the nature of sports. Uh, if there's a hard collision, something may happen, but but the majority of these injuries are kind of lower level, less sort of fantastic, and they're from chronic overuse, um, from doing the same repetitive movement over and over and over, whether it's pitching a baseball or shooting a hockey puck or whatever it might be, that chronic overuse and never giving your body any point in time throughout the year to rest and recover and do something different um, get out and if your goal as an athlete or as a parent of an athlete is maximum potential it doesn't happen at seventh grade it's going to happen in their late teens and through their 20s regardless of sports so you need to kind of keep a vision on, on that, right? Um, you know, scouts aren't, aren't looking at what the kid's doing in their 14-year-old league. They, they want to see what they're doing their senior year. Um, we, we have some athletes here. Um, for, for those listeners who aren't aware, uh, for, for when athletes are elite in hockey, they typically don't go straight to college. What they'll do is after their senior year of high school or sometimes even during their senior year of high school and the year after, they uh, typically play in the United States Hockey League, the USHL. Um, we've got a guy who played there, and now he's off to play college uh, hockey next year. And he's, he, we, we love him as an example for some of our younger athletes because he didn't do a single combine or specialty camp or anything like that until his junior year of high school, one year before he was uh, drafted in the USHL, and he, he kind of knew the formula. It was to play the sport and focus on the sport and, and enjoy that and take some time off and do other things and get better. He didn't do anything special, and, uh, and that's the thing. If you feel like you need to get discovered at some sort of special camp, you need to focus on just playing your sport better um, because if you're good, they'll find you. Mm. Uh, they, they will. And, and you don't need to show up at this combine and that combine and this specialty camp hoping some coach sees you on your best day. If you are good, they will find you. It does not matter what sport, and, and, and I promise you that. Um, if, you're, if you're getting really, really good, they, they can find you and playing for your team um, and, and playing well on that team and being a good teammate, uh, especially if it's a team-based sport. That's where you're, you're kind of taking the long road to get there, knowing that there's no pros at 14 years old. They're, they're, they aren't mm -hmm. pros at that age because you're not developed enough. Play, that's where we want people to keep their focus.
Excellent. Good answer. There is uh, one thing on my mind, and we're almost at the end of the show, and I want to make sure we uh, get this out there. What's the appropriate age to start a young athlete, in your opinion? Um, you know, I'm, I'm always redefining that, and, and, and it's, a t- it's a great question. It's a tough one to answer because we've got um, – We've got some 12-year-olds in here right now, and, and, and not that that's the youngest age, but they're so mature and dialed in and focused. And um, I've, got, I've got 19-year-olds in here and, and 20-year-olds that I'm constantly looking after um, because they're not as dialed in or, or, or as focused or anything. They're all, they're all great kids, but I think my, the, the point I'm trying to make is it's, uh, you know, um, there's more – variables here than than just age and, and maturity level is a big part of it um but i think any age is is appropriate to start kind of working on certain movements but if if the athlete's very young frankly i would say and this is assuming that the sport is not gymnastics but one of the best things that a young athlete could do is gymnastics and the reason for that is we have a very clear progression of how an athlete develops it goes locomotive manipulative combative so locomotive is moving your own body well well that's gymnastics right that i mean that is gymnastics is moving your body well and then maybe doing some track and field or just some running even if it's just on their own then manipulative is obviously moving a weight and then combative um, well yes that could apply to actual combat and fighting is whatever your sport is so as we progress through these levels the the athlete needs to be able to control their own body so um, doing body weight movements or doing a gymnastics class could pay some great dividends uh, early on regardless of what sport the athlete wants to excel in but I would say just with us and how we do things here um, it seems kind of like 11 or 12 is uh, is a great age. Um, I may, when it, you know, if you ask me again next year, I may say even younger, just based on the athletes that we're exposed to. But um, that's about the youngest that we work with, and they seem to be fine. Um, I might come in next year and say, you know, that was the cutoff, and the the 10-year-olds they're they're not really focused or dialed in. But the youngest athletes we're working with right now are around 11 and 12, and they are they are some of the most mature discipline more mature than i was at that age that's for sure um some of the most disciplined uh athletes that there are yeah i was just going to say that the the younger they are maybe under 10 or something eight we'll call it eight to 11 i i think that they are just trying to develop a attitude for the sport or a a fun for being active i think and some are on the next level and they really want to get better at that sport which is absolutely fine i think wouldn't you agree if they are that uh, mature if you will yeah and 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 a lot of athletes will know at at that age you know what what they want to do or what they want to be um, involved in and, and you know a simple thing if, if the athletes really honed in on this is the sport I want to do uh, back to what I had kind of mentioned a little bit ago is um, maybe strength and conditioning isn't a great fit but at least uh, some other type of sport that isn't a perfect parallel to that to again just build in some of this more general athleticism within the youth athlete um, so that they don't kind of develop all these very specific adaptations at, at a young age and it's um, you know, it's kind of like that thing. You 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 just want to find the right age for them and and, and get after it early, um, so that whenever they do start weight training, they already have some good discipline, some maturity, um, some coachability. 
um, are all important tangibles, not just for strength and conditioning, but, yeah, just for any sort of sport. That's what you would like to see in an athlete. Very good. Ross, so I knew this was going to be an excellent episode, and it has. Um, I just wanted to say thank you. How do people get a hold of you real quick? Yeah, so the, the, one of the easiest ways to get a hold of me is, is probably just shoot me an email um, just because I'm coaching all the time, so I'm, I'm not always picking up phone calls throughout the day for that reason. Uh, so my email is ross at rc-fit.com, and uh, rc-fit.com is our website as well, and uh, there's a contact us page through there. But shoot me an email through there would definitely be uh, the best way to get in touch with us. Uh, you can check out our Facebook page uh, and kind of see some updates on what we're doing. And we're regularly putting up uh, more content than on Facebook on, uh, on Instagram as well. And I know that will be in the show notes here. Our mm-hmm. Facebook page, you can just look us up as RC Training and Fitness. And on Instagram, we're RC underscore fit. Um, and so you can kind of get a look through all those at what we're doing. You, um, but the email, ross at rc-fit.com is the best way to get in touch. Excellent. We're so close. Uh, I, I was taking a closer look, and uh, we're not too far apart. For uh, anyone's in the uh, Chicagoland area, uh, do check him out. Go to his website, uh, email him like you you said, and uh, I will touch base with you soon again, Ross. For now, excellent episode, and uh, have a great day. Okay. Oh, thank you very much for the uh, platform to kind of spread my message a little bit and uh, hopefully educate some people. And uh, I really appreciate your time as well, Eric. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today on Healthy Living with Eric Sue. Head over to ericwsue.com for full recaps of every show in Eric's health and wellness blog. Your healthy living life is waiting for you. So stay active and be safe.